to another week here at the Four Wide Salute Podcast. I am your host, Casey Boucher, or as some like to call me, race director or scoring aficionado or that guy on the in-car radio. Either way, I'm your host. Boy, what a busy week we've had in the world of dirt racing. Starting off on Monday, we had the Lucas Oil Late Models at Bubba's. Your winner there, Ricky Thornton Jr. And the All-Star Circuit of Champions were East Bay and Mother Nature won there on Monday. They had some uh, pretty hellacious thunderstorms from what I understand. Tuesday, Lucas Oil was back at Bubba's. Shane Clanton was your winner. Shout out to uh, Mr. Friesen. Actually won his heat race. Started fourth in the feature. Came home with a top ten. A seventh place finish. Congratulations to him in the late model. All-Stars were back at East Bay. Your winner there, Donnie Schatz. Corey Eliason was leading uh, pretty well to start off that race and got caught up in, I think, someone else's spin out and ended up stopping over in turn three, and that pretty much put him to the back. Justin Peck looked very strong that night as well. Wednesday, we just had the uh, the All-Stars were over at Volusia, and that was won by Logan Schuhart. Thursday, All-Stars were back at Volusia again. Your winner there was Carson Macedo, his first win of the season in the JJR 41. Friday, the Outlaws kicked off their season at Volusia. And your winner, surprise, surprise, was your two-time defending champion, Brad Sweet. The USAC Midgets were at Bubba's, and they had a couple of laps in for the feature, and the reins were tapering on and off. They uh, had a delay, tried to get the track run in, fired back up the feature, then the reins came again and postponed that show over to Saturday. Uh, Saturday afternoon, which was won by Buddy Kofoid. That takes us to Saturday. The Outlaws again were at Volusia. And the Midgets were at Bubba's. And they both ended up with postponed events. As uh, it seemed like Florida was a complete washout on Saturday. So that takes us to today, Sunday where another afternoon show at Volusia this time uh, was won by Logan Schuhart. Donnie Schatz was gone like the wind over a two-second lead, and with two or three laps to go, the car just shut off all by itself, which gave Logan Schuhart the lead, and he held off a charging and fast Danny Dietrich. And the Midgets uh, are at Bubba's tomorrow, Monday afternoon. They are going to make up Saturday's show. This upcoming week, there is a ton of racing left to do in Florida. Like I said, Monday, uh, tomorrow, we have the Midgets are, are making up their Saturday feature at Bubba's. Then Tuesday at Volusia, the Super Dirt Car Series uh, makes its debut at Volusia for 2021. <clears throat> they are there with the Aunt Mods on Tuesday and then Wednesday. The World of Outlaw Late Models come to to play at Volusia with Super Dirt. 
And they are both going to be headlining that show Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and the finale on Saturday. So a lot of, uh, there'll be a lot of Volusia on our television here at my house. Because I love my super late models and I love my modifieds. Thursday, USAC Sprints kick off the Winter Dirt Games at Bubba's. And they are there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, good luck to our Northeast Modified Midget uh, 600 Micro Sprint. You name it, he runs it. Timmy Buckwalder. So good luck to Timmy on that. The World of Outlaw Sprint Cars move up to Dixie Speedway in Georgia on Friday. And then over to Alabama. And they will be at Talladega Short Track on Saturday. So a lot of uh, racing has been completed, a lot of racing to be uh, had yet this upcoming week. So uh, there's your recap, there's your preview. I'm working, possibly gonna do a Big Diamond schedule review. Uh, I'm gonna get a hold of Mr. Kenny Bruce, our PR guy, and see if we can't come up with something for you guys to listen to. A lot of big events, all, a very busy schedule for us this year up in Minersville. So, uh, without further ado, uh, I'm gonna take you into this week's guest. I had the pleasure of uh, chatting with Mr. Mike Mallet of Dirt Track Digest. And, uh, Little fun fact, we recorded this episode last Monday in the middle of a blizzard. And uh, thanks to all the plow trucks and uh, salt trucks in my neighborhood, I actually had to uh, pop up a table inside a spare bedroom closet and close the door so I could get some kind of uh, quietness in my house without the beeping of the trucks. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy. Uh, next week's guest will be Billy Pouch Jr., so look forward to that. But uh, until next Sunday, when I will tell you all about Tampa Bay winning the Super Bowl, here's this week's interview with Mike Mallett. I'd like to welcome our next guest to the Four Wide Salute podcast. He is the co-owner and content manager for Dirt Track Digest. Mr. Mike Mallet. Mike, how are you doing today, buddy? Uh, good, other than the weather sucks, but hey, <laughs> I think we're all in the same boat on that one. And who, who, who wants to get snow? You know, I, I know we're not getting as bad as UPA folks right now, but our turn's coming uh, out here uh, in uh, central New York. So, Well, we're going to get some snow, but nothing like you're used to up in New York. You guys usually get hammered pretty well with that stuff. I used to live in Buffalo. I'm well aware of what lake affects snow, and, and the snow up in uh, central New York gets hammered with. Yeah, yeah, usually. Usually we're, we're in that snow belt, so you take what you can get, and, and, and I guess you enjoy it. It's the only thing you can do. Is uh, racing season up in the Northeast is going to get started pretty, uh, pretty soon, I think. Lincoln's only about 18, 19 days away for the icebreaker, so uh, we have that to look forward to. Let's hope. Let's hope, right? I mean, the one thing I think we both can agree on is, uh, you know, we kind of get spoiled with with a chili bowl in January, and then we have speed weeks down in Florida pretty much throughout the end of January into the first few weeks of February. You know, we have Cajun swing going on in November. So I, th I think we kind of get spoiled a little bit with, uh, you know, the cold up here in the Northeast, but we still are able to uh, get our racing fix in. Yep, that has, been a, that has been a perk. I will, I will agree with you on that. 
So I know you weren't able to uh, attend in person down in Florida with, uh, you know, your day job and all. But um, on a Dirt Track Digest perspective, uh, being one of the men in charge, how uh, how happy were you with how everything turned out with a Sunshine Swing? Yeah, we're, we're, we're real happy. You know, um, Florida is, is a different animal than any other place we go. You know, you're sending guys a long ways away from home. And it takes a lot of great people to be able to do uh, a production like that and produce a show like that. Um, you know. 18, 20 hours from home. You know, same thing when, when our guys went out to Louisiana. Uh, you know, it puts a strain on you. It's a lot of work and a, and a lot of travel and a lot of it's nice where you're not getting a lot of sleep when you're editing, you know, videos and putting highlight packages together and all that. And we're fortunate with DTD. I mean, it's just a bunch of fantastic guys. You know, great camera guys, great production team. You know, like my partners and stuff, they, they do a hell of a job. And, uh, you know, without all the great people that surround us, you know, we wouldn't be able to do the, the, the things that we do. So, you know, I feel very fortunate as one of the owners and, and, you know, someone that's done some of the production stuff this year and things like that to have such an awesome group of people to work with. You know, there's so much fun. And, uh, you know, our, our slogan's always for race fans, by race fans. And, and I think that sums us up. You know, we, we really love racing and that's what makes it different. You know, you're not there you know, with a bunch of guys that don't know anything about racing and have no clue about racing. You know, when you're at a track with our team, it, it's all guys that grew up racing, loving racing, love being at the track. And, you know, you know, all of us go, even when we're not working, you know, that's, that's our thing. Like we go to the races. So I think that's what makes it special. And, you know, I'm just proud to be, you know, one of the, 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 the small contributors to the, to the awesome team that we have. So on, um, on average, I guess, you know, how many guys do you have working these these uh, these multi day events between, uh, you know, being at the track and uh, filming and all your camera guys in different positions? How many guys do you usually have? I mean, you, look, you look back what we what we did back in the spring, you know, when and with the COVID restrictions and stuff, and those were, you know, basically three and four man teams, you know, just real small, you know, close knit and go, you know, when we have series races up here now over the summer and stuff, you know, there's, there's five or six guys. And I think one of the awesome things about, you know, between the TV and, and the, the DTD side is we have a lot of people that help us on both sides, you know, like Kenny Bruce, you know, helps with pre-race shows, you know, Kenny's not a producer with us or camera guy or anything like that, but Kenny likes to sit down and hang out and, and him and I, you know, when I have the chance to go, we do the pre-race stuff together, you know, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, like our photographers, you know, Quentin Young, you know, a few other guys, you know, I named Quentin because Quentin was at the last couple of races helping run cable and, and things like that. Like Quentin went to Louisiana uh, and was, was running cables and, and doing all this other stuff. You know, that wasn't, you know, why he was there. He was there as, as a photographer, you know, but he was there helping out on, on the other side just to be a part of the team, you know, and, that, and that's awesome. And uh, again, and it goes back to me, you know, saying how good a group of guys we have. It's, you know, I guess it's cliche to say something like that, but, you know, I love all the guys we're with. You know, I consider every one of them, you know, my friends. You know, I hang out with them outside of racing when we're not doing racing stuff um, because they're just that much fun to be around. And, you know, it, it's that kind of team, that kind of mentality that I think has always helped us at DTD because we that's the kind of people we want to surround ourselves with, you know, people that are, you know, your friends and that you talk to, uh, not just at the races, but, uh, you know, other places too. You know, I've been fortunate to get to know uh, Rusty, the camera our, our guy that does uh, does um, Big Diamond and, you know, Georgetown and, and a lot of our Southern stuff. You know, he went to Florida and did, you know, was our backstretch guy. And uh, him and I have been pretty, you know, become pretty good friends, getting to hang out. And, it, and it's the road trips and the other stuff. And him and I doing, you know, over the summer, just him and I doing stuff. 
um, you know, down south uh, together, you know, so. Oh, yeah, I've gotten to know Rusty uh, pretty well over the past few years. Rusty is a really good dude. Good guy to have on your side. Yeah, he's a good time. And, and, and if you are ever tired of driving, Rusty will keep you awake. So you're good. <laughs> you say Rusty will keep you awake on a long ride. I have a I have a pretty funny story about that. You know, when I first met Rusty, I didn't I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And uh, I was headed to Florida for a few weeks back in 2018, I believe it was. And uh, I got to East Bay and, and Rusty had messaged me through Messenger and said he was heading there too and let me know where I'm at and you know we'll meet up or whatnot and I don't think at this point I'd actually met him in person and uh well we met up and whoo boy was I a little overwhelmed with uh Rusty's ability to carry a conversation <laughs> it was hard for me to actually get my answers in at some point but uh two days later I went to Volusia and Rusty must have been heading there too so he messages me again and says hey man where you at I'm heading there too and I said well um, I'm currently in the infield on top of the box here on the front stretch. He goes, all right, I'll be over in a couple of minutes. So I knew he was heading over. So I hopped back off the box. I went over to turn four, waited for Rusty to message me. He goes, hey, I'm on this box in the infield. Where are you at? I said, oh, I'm over in turn four. So he goes, all right, I'll be right over. I head over to turn two and played the same cat and mouse game for, for quite some time. Eventually, we did catch up with each other, but <laughs> I was kind of ducking him because I was avoiding the conversation. <laughs> Tag your it. <laughs> I will admit I did purchase um, all three nights um, of the Sunshine Swing. I was really impressed by the Dirt Track Digest coverage. Um, you guys have a lot going on over there, and, and you guys are, are putting in a lot of work and, and getting the product to be what it is. I, I am going to pick your brain a little bit from a from a, um, a fan's perspective here. and What's going on with your with your ticker on on the TV? There were quite a few times I noticed where um, guys weren't lined up where they were on the track, or uh, the announcer would quote someone's in second, but the ticker showed him in third, and vice versa. So, um, you know, what's going on with that? Yeah, no, what's what's uh, I can tell you what's going on with our ticker. Our ticker uh, our ticker is directly tied in to the scoring loop. So, so what happens sometimes is, you know, numbers get crossed up on cars. Like if there's two car numbers that are the same, sometimes the scoring reads those wrong. Um, so it's just little things like that with technology that happen. Um, so that's why that'll happen. And then if names are spelled wrong, it's how the track is spelling the name. You know, not, not necessarily us. You know, we, we are dependent on the, that for, for what we do. You know, and, and again, it, it's... I know the first few nights everything was good, and and I'm wondering, you know, we had a lot of um, a lot of rain. You know, the guys were telling me there was a lot of rain for the team down there, and uh, on Wednesday night. So with all that, you know, that that's going to waterlog some stuff, give some stuff some issues. So you, you you're kind of troubleshooting that, making sure all your all your cables are dry and all that. So I know, you know, the guys were talking, and you know, you know, we as a team had to go through a lot of. Uh, a lot of stuff, you know, those guys, you know, I say team because we're a team, um, but had to, had to constantly deal with some of that. And I'm sure, you know, the one night, I know we, there was a couple of races where, where the ticker was a little off and then it, it just took some time to get a couple of things rectified and everything, you know, kind of smoothed out. Um, and again, it won't change. Like, let's say Bular takes the lead on the backstretch from Decker. You know, you're not going to see that change until they come back across the line. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like, an, you know, a NASCAR loop where there's, there's a loop every you know 50 feet or whatever so uh, you know, that makes it, makes it different too. Yeah. I don't want to sound like the, the sour apples kind of guy, but you know, I got you on the, I got you on the podcast. I figure why not just ask you what's going on. 
Well, no, no, that's fine. Ask the question. I'm okay with it. You know what? We have no problem explaining it. You know, and we're not. And I'm not, I'm not getting on any scoring people or anything like that. So I hope nobody takes offense to that. You know, it's just sometimes there's issues with transponders where the transponder's not working. So then you miss a guy in the lineup. You know, if they got a dead transponder, you know, they're still hand scoring it and doing things that way. So you just got to know where the guy is in the line. But when you see the scoring on top, it's going to miss that guy because his transponder either wasn't turned on or the battery went dead or, or was, you know, something happened. So, you know, again, you're only as good as the technology you're using. <laughs> so, you know, so it, that sometimes that, yeah, that you don't happens. have to explain that to me. I'm, I'm well aware of what goes on with the transponder. You're talking to the guy that worked up in the tower for a full year with no functioning transponder, and I know exactly how hectic it can get up there. So, uh, the transponder thing of it, I, I absolutely understand that part of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And that's why some places there is no ticker because they don't, you know, they're not using race monitor or they're not using. Uh, the production tools that are available in the orbit system that's used uh, for us to be able to do the ticker. You know, we're, you know, we're dependent on that with the scoring loop and the scoring system. If they have all that installed and all that, we're, we're fine. You know, there's no issues. Again, you, you have your, you're here and there where nobody has a transponder or, you know, there might be a duplicate number situation and it, and it takes some time to, to get that fixed. You know, the, the score takes care of it. And, you know, the, the score of the short track super series, Josh does a great job. You know, we're, we're fortunate to have her at a lot of our races, so we, we have a good relationship. And, you know, if I, you know, if we message up, hey, you know, the, you got these two guys, or these two cars are the same number, she'll, she always takes care of it, rectifies it, and, and it's good. So, uh, and again, we've been fortunate we've built a relationship with a lot of the, the scoring people at the different tracks we go to. I know I, I always make fun of Brian Davis at Fonda. He's a buddy, you know, so I'm like, I'll make fun of him, and then he'll make fun of me because he'll be like, uh, you got the score working? I said, no, I don't have it working yet. <laughs> you know, well, it's working on my screen. I'm like, I don't want to hear. All right. <laughs> so, you know, we have so a let's time. dive into Mike Mallet, the uh, the race fan or the person, I should say, not Mister Dirt Track Digest. But um, so what are your what are your some of your earliest memories of of going to the track or uh, you know being a child and, and racing related? Well, my, my first memory, I, I want to say my first memory is, uh, I grew up at Fonda Speedway. My parents met at Fonda Speedway. So if anybody ever wonders why I love, you know, going to Fonda, well, that's where I grew up, you know, and, and I've been fortunate to, to go there since, uh, 1980. Cause I was, I'm pretty sure it was about three weeks after I was born, I was in the grandstands. So I, I've seen a race there, at least a race there, uh, once a year, at least for the last 40 years, cause kind of getting old, but, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's good. You know, Fonda's, I love Fonda. I love going there. And, you know, we have a great relationship with Brett Dale. So when, when Brett took over, you know, we had a good relationship with Pete Dimitrazic before. I, love, I like Pete. Pete's a, you know, good friend. And, uh, you know, I, I worked for Rick Lucia prior to that. You know, I, I did some stuff with Matt DiLorenzo prior to that or after that. So uh, I've been lucky to, to be able to do a lot of different jobs just to find a speedway. You know, so that's kind of where I got my start and, you know, my, my love of racing. And I, my, you know, my earliest memories, probably when I was about five or six years old, uh, Harry Gant and Bobby Allison came to race a Fonda. And I remember, yeah, I remember they used to park the cars over in turn one. And I remember going over there and, and walking around and seeing the cars and, and seeing everything over there. And one of my coolest experiences uh, a few years ago, Harry Gant was actually at um, the Motorsports Expo as one of the guests. And I got to sit down. And I chatted with him. I'm like, you remember going to Fonda Speedway? He goes, yeah, I remember Fonda Speedway. And he went on this story about how, you know, I thought I was going pretty good. And then all of a sudden this 12A goes by me and this 22 and this four car. Man, those guys were fast, you know. And I know he's talking about Jack Johnson, Dave Lake, and Lou Mazzaro. And the fact that he remembered, you know, all three of those guys was 
to me was such an awesome experience because I mean, the guy can say he remembers it, but when he's, you know, talking about the numbers on the cars and the guys that were passing them, like, and, and that's legit those guys that I grew up watching, you know, as a kid. So I'm like that, this is awesome. It was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Just, you know, having a chance to kind of tie your memories together. You know, you tie your memory together when you're a little kid and then you tie, you know, 35 years later, you get to meet the guy that you remember his race car when you were a little kid. So that that's neat. You know, I think that's, you know, one of the things I think is, is awesome about this sport. Um, you know, I, I've had the chance back, you know, years ago now to, to interview, you know, Jack Johnson at Fonda and Dave Lape and, and, and do stuff like that. And grew up rooting, you know, for Bobby Barron when, when, you know, I knew the family, you know, my family went to church as a kid, his, his mom and dad went to my church. I got to know Bobby and, and, and got to root on Bobby. I remember him winning the Eastern States 200. I mean, that, that was awesome. I was kind of like, I know that, you know, he was, you know, someone that I, you know, was behind because he, you know, was a fond guy and, you know, I knew the family we were friends with them. We used to go to a Christmas party every year when I was a kid and stuff. So uh, that was, that was always a cool experience. And I knew his first car owner, Max Phillips, you know, uh, who passed here a couple of years ago and I always had a great time with him. So it was just, it's just awesome. You know, you know, a lot of people always talk about racing, you know, their heroes and their favorite drivers and all that. And, and doing what I do, it, it's such a cool experience to get to meet the guys that are your heroes. You know, I don't, I don't want to go too much into Greg Hodnett cause I'll start sobbing and stuff, but you know, you know, to tie it together, Greg was, you know, everybody knows my favorite driver and, and, you know, but I got to meet him. You know, there's a lot of people that when guys retire, they go away, you know, they're fans and they never get to meet their favorite driver. They get to have a relationship with their favorite driver. And I always been very fortunate that the guys I root for, um, you know, the guys now that I know and I have relationships with and I talk to and I joke around with and all that. And it, it's, it's just really awesome. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you know, for me, I work in racing and do what I do. It, it, it's not a career. It's not, um, you know, it's not, it's not, a, it's a job, you know, but it's not like, I feel like a job when I'm there, you know, I, I feel, you know, just lucky to, to be there and, and to be doing what I do because I'm a fan first, you know, no matter what I'm a fan first. Like I, I just love going to the races, you know? Yeah. I think you're exactly right. I think a lot of us in the industry that, that work in it, not necessarily, um, you know, drivers per se, but I think everyone kind of has to have a love for what the business is, what what we're watching on the track week in and week out or day in and day out. You know, I look at hockey as an example. I can't see someone announcing hockey that's not a fan of hockey. It just wouldn't. I don't think it would translate well. And, and I think, you know, in your position with Dirt Track Digest, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, I can't imagine you not being a race fan and trying to build a website trying to build a, a broadcast like you have i mean I, don't get me wrong there's nights where i just am not 100 percent over the top balls to the wall into it like a lot of other nights you know some nights it's just yeah the races and you know the racing isn't the greatest there's some nights where weather you know rain's coming or it's frigidly cold or really really hot <laughs> yeah yep yeah and i've never i've never once been you know look there's nights when you're cold there's nights when it's crappy out there's nights when there's rain coming and you're like come on let's go and you get you get a little miserable i think at times we all we all take 
for granted what we have the chance to do at times. And, and I'm guilty of it myself. There are nights, I'm like, all right, let's get this over with. I just want to go home. All right, just want to, you know, I want to, I want to go home and get in bed or, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, you know. But when you look at it and you sit down and reflect, you know, like last year, we didn't have nearly the amount of racing that I normally go to. You know, I missed a lot of big races that I love. You know, I missed the Kings Royal, I missed the Knoxville Nationals because they just didn't exist. You know, I mean, I got a ton of racing in, you know, you know, but you still feel, you know, you feel a little void when you, when you can't do all, all the stuff you want to do. But then I look at it and I'm like, you know, I'm very fortunate that I got to do a lot of racing last year because of what DTD TV was able to do, you know, at tracks here like Albany, Saratoga and Can-Am and Thunder Mountain, you know, Big Diamond, you know, I, I went to Big Diamond, you know, Georgetown, I think Georgetown was my, my, my home track on Friday nights. <laughs> so it's been, um, you know, it's been tough, it, 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 you know, the, but, but but I was thankful, you know, that, that I was in a position where I could still go. And, and, you know, I feel for all the fans, you know, in New York that didn't get the chance to go to their home track or get to experience the racing this year. You know, and I'm thankful that they, they still, they, they stuck with us and came on board with us. And I'm thankful for all the people that, you know, figured out how to use Dirt Track Digest TV and, and supported us because, you know, without the great support of race fans, you know, some of these tracks, you know, wouldn't have been able to do what they did. And, and I'm just glad I could be a part of that and, and help them, you know, be able to open the gates and keep the gates open here for a year. You know, Lebanon Valley, not only you know, I mentioned Fonda and, and, and the other tracks, Outlaw, you know, was on board. We did a couple of races, a five-mile point. I mean, we did, you know, Carolinas. I mean, that stuff, you know I mean? It was just, you know, if I forgot anyone there, I mean, I didn't do it on purpose. Um, but it's, it's just, you know, we did so much and traveled all over so much. And it was, it was because again, racetracks trusted us and race fans supported us. And, and again, that, that's something I'm very thankful for because, uh, again, without that, there's no way that we are where we are or who we are if, if it wasn't for that. Yeah. You guys definitely put on a lot of broadcasts last year. Um, you know, even just races attended, you know, I, I look at it that way. You know, I, I look at it like this. You know, I grew up in this sport just like you did. And now we get to work around these guys and these drivers that have been around since we were kids. You know, it, it's kind of a surreal moment. You know, I went from my first night in turn four walking through the pits. And there's these guys that used to race when I was a kid. And now I get to be around them on a weekly basis or sometimes, you know, multiple times a week. And it's it's a... It's kind of a surreal thing. Oh no, I think I think that's one of the awesome things about it. I mean, I've rooted for the same few guys. Not rooted. I mean, I don't. I don't say I root. I mean, I, I've had favorites. Again, I, I grew up a race fan first. You know, then I became a media guy. And now look, there's guys that you know I like to see win, and it's because I'm selfish, and I know the interview is going to be good. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I hate saying that. You know, and there's some guys you're like, okay, you know, I know this interview is going to be different than you know what you normally do, but. It's okay, you know. What's nice though is over time, you know, as you build relationships with drivers and stuff, they're willing to to spend more time talking to you. You're not some fly by night kid standing there, you know, waiting or whatever. I remember when I first started, I was nervous as hell, no matter who I want to talk to, because I'm like, this guy doesn't know who I am, you know. And I'm walking up there and, and going to talk to him now. You know, the relationships you build, it's, it's cool that I can walk in the trailer at any point and ask a guy, hey, what happened or hey, what's going on? Hey, is the car okay or any of that? And you know, you know, they know. They know me. They know that I'm not there to, to crap on them or there to do anything more than find out what happened. So that's been a that's been pretty cool, and and it and it's neat. You know, and I, and I bet you if you talk to Ken Bruce, he'd probably tell you the same thing. You know, Kenny's like me, huge race fan, loves racing, and you know, and the, and the chance to meet all the guys that he grew up, you know, 
you know, watching and, and, and rooting for it per se. And now, now you get to talk to them and you know, you're still, you know, look, you're, you're impartial because media, that's your job. It doesn't matter who, who's involved in an incident. You know, I've been a race director, same thing. It doesn't matter who it is. Everybody out there is a number. There's not a name on those cars, you know, when you're, when you're race director and doing those jobs. And when you're a media guy, you, you give everybody the same exact treatment and, you know, the chips fall where they fall, you know, when guys say what they say. So, um, you know, that, that's, you know, when I began this job, you know, back in the early 2000s, that was difficult at times. You know, but now, now you've learned that the right thing to do is treat treat everybody the same. And, and again, I was learning. I mean, I'm not trained to be a journalist or anything like that. I never went to journalism school. I went to college, and I, you know, got a master's degree. But what, what the heck's that mean when it's all in education? It's not in racing or in journalism. So it, it means absolutely nothing. The only thing I could have is I could write a sentence and put a period at the end when I started. So, um, you know. So you're lucky, you know, I've learned over time, but holy crap, beginning, man, it was tough. Well, you know, and you're, and you're always going to have that, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you read the comments just like I do, you know, guys are like, Oh, where's this guy at? Where's this guy at? Referring to your broadcast and you can't cover everybody at once. You know, you don't have 25 cameras out there filming everything that's going on. And, you know, some of these features, if they go green the whole way, they're over in less than five minutes. And that's not a lot of time. And, you know, I look at Stu for an example, you know, he started 22nd on on the Saturday show. And I don't think I saw him on TV till maybe sixth or fifth on his way up through the field. And that's and that's kind of a, a good thing in perspective from, you know, from your seat. You know, you're focusing on the battles. You know, guys are side by side for the lead for the most part for the beginning part of the race. You got to cover that and you're not going to be able to cover everybody that you know, is out there. It's, it's, it's impossible. Yeah. We, you know, like it's hard because we try to find the best battles, you know, and you try to stick in the top 10 to 15 cars, you know, and, and that's a TV thing. That's just, I mean, you know, when you watch NASCAR, you, you know, Timmy Hill was awesome on the eye racing stuff, but when uh, real racing started, you know, Timmy Hill didn't make camera much. And that, you know, he was a great guy and a cool guy, you know, but when you're running 30th, you know, again, this is not, crapping on anybody you know it's just it's hard you know you gotta you know for us we're trying to show the action up front you know you don't want to miss a pass for the lead because then you're then you're kicking yourself for missing it you may get mad at yourself you know and that's one of the reasons why on this trip you know my, my, you know my my partners that, that help you know do the tv production guys i mean they did a fantastic job you know designing that picture in picture and i thought that was awesome that we debuted that saturday night just to give people a taste and that's not something you do every race so don't expect it every race because that's just not you know what, what, what it was meant for but it's meant for the bigger shows um you know when we have multiple the multiple extra camera guys and so on and so forth but i thought that was a cool debut of that and people could see a couple different battles but you know i, I you know i go back you know i go back to a race at georgetown earlier this year and I, I don't remember if Shepard won or if it was freezing but one of them got a flat went to the rear and we're working the way back up through and they're coming but we got Pouch Jr. and Anthony Perego and Rick Lawbach and a couple other guys up front and, and the lead's changing every lap and Jeff Strunkaboo was in there and the lead's changing every lap and like you know we're all talking like that, you know this guy's coming but how can you leave the battle up front like it's so good you know so and I understand there's people, everybody has their favorites and, and they get upset if we don't show them. And it's, and it's nothing personal. It's not like we, we hate that driver or screw that guy. Or right? None of that's going on. You know, when we're doing our production, we're just trying to find the best battle. You know, stick with the, with the racing up near the front again because, 
you know, you don't want to miss a pass from a reader or miss something like that because then, then you're kicking yourself for missing it. Yeah, Dirt Track Digest doesn't have it covered like NASCAR does where they have five hours of TV time and they're at points in that race where guys are spread out. They can go through the field and zoom in and say, this guy's running 22nd and he started 12th and his favorite food is this and these are all of his sponsors. It, dirt track racing, you guys definitely do not have that kind right, of time. Right, right. And again, and we're not bringing a, a, a production crew of 12 camera guys and, you know, that, you know, we got a couple camera guys, two to three, you know, at every race and, and so on. You know, we, we're still a small company, you know, we're not, uh, you know, all of us, again, that work at Dirt Track Digest, we all have other jobs, you know, th- this is our, our fun, you know, at the end of the day, again, like I said, four race fans, buy race fans, we have a good time doing it, we love it, um, you know, our production guys, you know, Art and Matt, who are fantastic, you know, they all worked, they worked in racing, you know, Matt has worked in NASCAR, they worked at Dirt Vision when Dirt Vision started back in the day, um, you know, they worked, you know, a lot of different production stuff that they did brush on dirt shows and all that kind of stuff. So these guys are, do a hell of a job and they're awesome, you know, but they've been trained in TV and know, and know what they're doing. You know, and I, I trust them because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So it's, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I learned this year how to do the production side of things, you know, multi-camera shows and that stuff. Um, but those guys are always on their game. They, they know what they're looking for. They know, you know, what, what types of things, you know, they were taught when they, when they learned all this. So, uh, I've leaned on them and, and kind of learned a little bit, but I'm nowhere near how good they are. So, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just lucky, you know, to be able to be associated with them, you know, but again, the group, the guys are awesome, you know, so we have our team and our team, I think that's fantastic. You know, every now and then, yeah, do you miss something guys coming from back? Yes. Again, we can't get everything, no matter how hard we try. It's, it's always a challenge. And again, you know, I get upset, you know, when somebody feels like we slighted them or we didn't show them on, you know, we've never done that. And, you know, we don't purposely, yeah, we, and we don't purposely not show a guy, you know, during the race, you know, we, you know, we, we kind of try to find action and, and go there, you know, and, and sometimes the action is, you know, again, we try to stay, you know, top 10, top 15, you know, because again, that's, that's what people are, are watching. And, and again, it's the same reason NASCAR does it. Same reason most production companies do, you know, you're trying to stay where, where the battle is and so on. And some guys sometimes have bad nights, even if they're really good drivers, you know, and they end up running 20. And look at Peter Britton's flip on Thursday. Um, you know, I think it, we have Rusty was on the backstretch and he just caught the tail end of it. But right there is, is a prime example. You can't be everywhere at once. And, you know, there was a battle going on ahead of where where Peter was. And, you know, thankfully, Rusty was able to, to catch the end of it. But it, it's a prime example. You just can't be everywhere at once. Yeah, we, yeah, we just caught the end of it. And then Rusty was on the backstretch and he, and he you know, he just caught it out of the corner of his eye and whipped the camera back and, and we were able to get the end, but man, he got the, he got the height of it, you know? So that was, whew. you know, I'm just glad, you know, watching it, you know, home here, I was glad that Peter was okay and was able to walk away. Unfortunately, cause the same can't be said for the race car, but you know, at the end of the day, you care, care about the person in it, you know, you know, they build, you know, it's a lot of money and I, and, and I feel awful for that. But to me, you know, Peter's a guy that I, you know, we have a good relationship with, we joke with, we, we've had a lot of fun with Peter over the years. So, uh, when I saw him get out, okay, that really made me feel good. Yeah, definitely. Thankfully, uh, Peter, you know, and, and Stu for that fact that they're both okay, for sure. And he does love sangria, if you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
that's a, that's a running joke with him. And only because a couple of years ago we were at Applebee's and we hear, you know, we're sitting on the table behind the guys. It was a few years ago. And, uh, we hear Peter, y'all have a sangria. And we, and, and all of us, the DTD guys turn around like, Peter, seriously. <laughs> so now every time we're out and we see Peter, we make sure we get Peter a sangria just to, and, and, and give him a little bit. And he doesn't even have to know we're there. He'll find us because he knows where it came from. So I, I did want to bring up uh, iRacing. How is, um, how is that brought a different dynamic to what Dirt Track Digest does? You know, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, the big blocks have added another element to it. You know, we, we gave it a shot. I'll be honest. I mean, I, I race now. I used to, I used to be that guy. I'm like, dude, it's a video game, guys. I don't know why everybody's so mad. You know, it's a video game. You know, and, and, I, and I still joke with some of my guys that get angry. I'm like, guys, you're not playing a video game, right? You know, because it's a, look, it is a simulator. You're in the car. It's, you're not playing it with a controller. And there's a few people that do, but I can't imagine doing it with a, with a controller. You know, I, I got into iRacing me when we were all locked down you know I'm, i was locked down at home you know here in my house and i'm in the basement all day playing video games or you know i had a little bit of schoolwork to do but for a while we weren't sure what to do for schoolwork because we're waiting for direction we all thought we'd be out of school for a couple of weeks and then we'll be back and you know we're gonna take these two weeks to use our snow days up and then we'll make up the week you know at the end of the year or whatever so we're just kind of all chilling and you know i racing came up like well what do you guys think about doing some sprint car races and we're like, yeah, all right. So we give them this talk. We're able to put some sponsorship together and, and pay some pretty good iRacing purses. You know, not real racing purses, but, you know, we paid out, you know, three grand, four grand for our first couple. And, you know, people really seem to like it, enjoy it. And then again, we got to December and it's like, well, what the heck's going on now? You know, we knew the big blocks were coming out. We've been hearing the rumor. And um, the big blocks, I mean, let's see, Northeast people love big blocks. You know, I love big blocks. Everybody loves big blocks. So we decided, yeah, hey, let's do our own little deal. You know, again, we had good sponsors, you know, Billy Whitaker, uh, Integra, you know, um, Teddy Bruce, you know, my buddy at High Torque, you know, Precision Hydraulic and Oil. You know, and again, uh, Short Track Super Series, you know, they all, you know, gave us the money. We were able to pay, you know, pay some decent money and, and have some fun broadcast. I mean, I love doing it, you know, and I'm, I have a very good relationship with Shane Andrews, who, you know, to me is one of the, the best announcers in dirt racing. So him and I working together, we, we just have a great time together. You know, we have a ton of fun. And these races is an opportunity for us in the winter. To, to get together and work a little bit together because we don't see each other much during the season. Um, you know, the only time I, I really work with Shane is, is if there's an off chance that there's an ESS race that, you know, we put on a, on a date that I wasn't working at, at Utica or something like that, you know, for a week's put on a Monday or whatever. So it's, uh, it, it's fun, you know, and, and it seemed this year, you know, the fans seem to enjoy it. You know, we got a lot of positive feedback. And uh, again, it's our production team at DTD, you know, TV producing it for us. I get to sit in my, my simmer and get home, my personal rig, <laughs> you know, and, and get to announce them. So it's funny, you know, I'll, you know, we worked with the Empire Super Sprints as well and Dean Reynolds and all the guys over there. So it was cool. It was, it's a lot of fun, you know, and people enjoy it. We get a lot of, lot of, lot of likes, a lot of comments on them and, and a lot of views and, you know, for us, it's fun. We get to give some, you know, get some good sponsors, get able to give them some support and, I mean, what more can you ask for? You know, I mean, we're having fun. I mean, that's what race is all about. And for us, I racing in December, early January, we're not doing any real racing because I can look out my window right now, and I've already got the two feet of snow that you're going to get. So, <laughs> with more on the way tomorrow, another eight to twelve. So, uh, for us, it's it's uh, there's no other option, man. This is it. I'm not, you know, unless I'm racing solo build, which is, I don't, I don't do that. Uh, so. 
that's all I got. I got some eye racing, and, and I appreciate everybody that watched it. Was, it was a lot of fun to get in the comments. I love reading the comments. I get text messages when I'm announcing, and, and people, you know, busting my, busting my chops a little bit. I love that. It's fun, you know. That's that's the difference with the eye racing. You know, we have um, three guys that I race and have real-world experience race directing uh, handle our, our, our broadcast, you know, in terms of what they're doing behind the scenes and handling the drivers on the track. So it's nice. You know, I don't have to worry about that. You know, Bobby Sweeney is our race director. Um, and he, he is hard nosed, man. Don't, don't mess with Bobby Sweeney. He's not going to take your crap. So he better, <laughs> better not run into people, which again is what we want. We want to, you know, we've wanted a clean league with our eye racing and we pride ourselves on, you know, doing our best to make the right decisions. And, and again, that's why we have guys that eye race. So they know like, Hey, was that a dirty slide job or was that just normal eye racing? Well, and that's a dirty slider. So, <laughs> cause if you've ever really, really, I don't know if you run eye racing, but if you run in, you know, just the, the official stuff, et cetera, Dirty sliders are for everybody. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I'll be completely honest. I was just like you were when I racing first came out. I was under the impression it was a video game, and I I stood far away from it. I wanted no part of it. I still don't have have a rigger or a simulator or nothing like that. But um, you know, one of my one of my buddies, Glennie Reinhardt, was all over i racing when it first came out, and uh, you know, just recently, you know, big blocks got introduced and. He's like, hey, I'm going to get in this race. And uh, well, he did. He did do a uh, a sprint car big block race that he ended up winning. And he got a Wheaties box with the car on it to, to win. But uh, yeah, he's like, all these big block races are coming up. He's like, it's going to be live on Dirt Track Digest on Facebook. You know, like hop on, you know, give me some support. Check it out or whatnot. So I did. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I hear your voice. And I'm like, is that Mallet announcing iRacing? Yeah, 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 and again for me, I don't, I, I didn't get, to, I didn't get to announce much this year. You know, like I, I haven't been able to do a lot of announcing the last few years. You know, just because of, you know, ESS really was the only thing I've been doing the last couple of years. And you know, my job title changed at, at Utica, and this year, you know, I racing was pretty much all I did. I did a couple can am, did a little bit at Albany Saratoga, and uh, you know, and, and then I did Big Diamond a couple of times, and that was an experience. Uh, <laughs> I had some fun there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm blaming that all on you, but <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, the iRacing is fun. I just love it. it it's a good time, and you know, I like playing. And, and again, it's, it's a way to get together with your friends. Like you know, you mentioned Glenn Reiner. I mean, he was very good in our league. He had a good, good season. You know, I paid him some money <laughs> at the end of the year. I will say, and um, in my nosing around for this interview, or you know, for this podcast, I did. Um, I did go on your website, and uh, I must say, Dirt Track Digest has one of the best appearances of a website I've ever seen. It's neatly organized. There's uh, there's stuff on there for late models for the national tours. There's USAC stuff. There's it's not just modifieds. It's not just Northeast. Uh, you know, you guys cover a whole lot of stuff. But I, I found your website to be easily navigated. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's uh, you know, we have guys that cover the late models, guys that shoot sprint car stuff, and writers that they cover a little bit of everything. So it, it, it's uh, it's again, it's an eclectic team of of guys, good guys and, and girls, you know, I should say. So we uh, 
we're just fortunate, you know, to, to have the people to do all those different things. And, you know, we rely on the national series for the press releases and stuff. Uh, you know, but we're just trying to get the news out there. I mean, you can't have somebody at every track at every every event. It's just impossible. I mean, unless I had, you know, 500 writers, you know, to cover every major event. And that's just not what we have. You know, we have eight to 10 guys that, that do, you know, the writing. We've got, we got 25, 30 photographers, maybe more. I don't know. I, I, I've never counted, actually, on that. So, uh, but you know, everybody has a different taste, different things they like to do, and and they go all around, all over the freaking place. So, uh, you know, we pride ourselves on the modifieds, of course. That's our that's our niche, if you will. And but we we do like to cover sprint car stuff and and late model stuff. And I, I mean, I know again, two of my favorite races of the year: go to Kings Royal and Knoxville Nationals. And who who doesn't like going to the World Finals and, and those races with, with a, you know with a lot of uh, you know a lot of people there and all three divisions. So we try to give every, every division we can some love and, and enjoy it. And, uh, that, that's, uh, you know, it, it's a time consuming job <laughs> at times, but, uh, it's worth it, you know, cause you know, people clicking on it, people reading it, people enjoying it and, and getting the word out about, you know, not just modifieds, but everything else going on in racing as well. So if you don't mind, I'm, I'm going to ask you the, the big question. So how did dirt track digest become what it is today? Well, it, it all it all started um, actually back in uh, I want to say two thousand three, two thousand four, somewhere in there. Um, I was involved with a video game, <laughs> mind you, uh, Dirt Track Racing Two. I don't know, you ever heard of that? No, no. Like it was the first time our modifieds have been in a in a video game. So, Fire on Dirt was a website. Uh, started by Chris Papa, um, that you can build skins, you know, that's what we call them skins in the game to replicate your favorite driver. So people were doing the artwork and, and building the cars and, and all that different stuff. Well, that site transitioned from there, uh, to a, to a media site. Um, you know, Chris had the, the foreshadowing or the, the foreknowledge that, Hey, the internet's not going to go away anytime soon. Um, and the, and the future of racing news is, is online. Uh, so, um, Fire and Dirt transitioned from a video game site with skins and racetracks and stuff you could download and put in the game, uh, to a legit news site. Um, at one point they were looking for writers and at that point I was just getting back hardcore into racing where I was going, you know, going a lot and, and doing a lot and, and I decided, you know, I can write a sentence, I can put something together, so let's give this a shot. So, you know, I gave it a, gave it a shot, started writing, and then uh, my, my friend Jeff Whitney was writing uh, for Ariado at the time, kind of gave me the ropes about doing interviews and things like that, and it just kind of progressed from there. Uh, and then within a year or two after that, um, I started learning web coding and things of that nature and building websites from scratch and HTML coding, which what a pain in the, in the butt that was. And I got an offer. Uh, I was I was writing for Area Auto. Kevin Kovac, that day, kind of got me over to the Area Auto side of things. Uh, I was writing for both Fire and Dirt and that, and then Fire and Dirt shortly became Dirt Track Digest. Uh, I took a job at Afton. They saw me there writing for Area Auto. Said they were looking for a PR guy, and they they gave me my shot at Janet Jordan. And from there, uh, I worked there for for my first year. Uh, I was there about a month, and our announcer. 
you know, had other commitments, et cetera. And, and Janet looks at me one night. She's like, hey, Mike, you ever announced before? I'm like, nah, nah, I've never done that. She goes, you're announcing tonight. I said, shut up. No way. She's like, no, no, you're, you're announcing tonight. I'm like, no, no, you're, you're just messing me, right? She goes, no, 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 you're announcing tonight. We don't have anybody else. So there's a CD player up there with the national anthem on it. Good luck. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> okay. So did that night, got a call uh, during the week. Uh, from Pat, and he's like, Mike, you have any, any interest in doing that every week? I'm like, I can, you know, again, I'm doing the PR at this point in their website for him, and he's, I'm like, he goes, yeah, he goes, we want you every week, you do a good job. I'm like, I don't think I did a very good job, but if you think I'm good, I mean, you must be on something, or you were you were drinking a little too much, but, <laughs> so, uh, I got the job, uh, a couple of weeks later, Middletown was, had an opening, they were looking for a pro stock and pure stock announcer, uh, Tim Pitts obviously did the modifieds and sportsmen and that, but they were looking for some help. And I knew the promoter at the time. Again, I had Middletown was my home track. I lived downstate at that point. Uh, so, you know, I offered up. I'm like, if you're looking for somebody, I just started. I said, I'm green. I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but if you want some help and, you know, talking with the folks there, I, I ended up getting that job too. So now I'm announcing two nights a week in my first two months. And, you know, Tim Pitts, uh, you know, I was lucky to work with him and taught me some stuff. You know, I was used to Afton, which is a bull ring. Then you go to Middletown, which is a five eighths. And I just remember him looking at me one time. He goes, you know, you don't have to talk so fast, right? It's a big track. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then from there, uh, that off season, found a speedway, had an opening. Uh, I'd found out from, from Pat Afton. And I'm like, Pat, you know, if they really have an opening, you know, I know Jim King was there and he's, he was my, you know, favorite announcer going up, you know, with the fund. I mean, Jim King was, was a legend, you know? So, uh, there was an opening and, you know, Pat put in a word for me. I got a phone call from Rick Lucia and Rick called me the following season. He's like, uh, send me a DVD. I want to, I want to hear you. I said, okay. So I sent it up. And a couple weeks later, I got, I got the phone call. You want the job on Saturday nights? It's yours. I know you're a founder guy and, and you know, that's what we're looking for and so on. You got to, you know, and I'm like, okay, cool. So now, you know, I committed to Afton. Uh, I wasn't even the announcer the second year. I was the race director. So I got a, I got a upgrade in pay and an upgrade in headaches <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> and then I started a Fonda that season. And uh, at that point, uh, Shane was looking to cut back at Utica and do some other things. And uh, I worked a week with uh, Jeff Barrett, who still a good buddy of mine. And he had, uh, you know, his wife got sick and he needed to step back from the announcing. Uh, and they asked me, you know, Dick Sweet asked me if I wanted to go to Utica. So now I'm working after as a race director on Friday nights in Utica. I found on Saturdays and Utica on Sundays. You know, it's my second year announcing. I mean, I, I just lucked into everything. I was in the right place at the right time, and you know, it all worked out. You know, I was, you know, who can say, you know, they got to announce at their their favorite track, you know, their their homer track, if you will, you know, and and do all the jobs I did there. So it was pretty awesome, and. You know, and then a few years later, the USS deal came about. They were looking for a tour announcer, and, you know, I put in for that. That kind of took me away a little bit from my, my Fonda duties. You know, I, I stepped away from Fonda for a while, and Afton uh, changed management and all that. So kind of stepped away from that and did ESS and Utica and went from there. So at this point in time, are you still, you know, doing your, your full-time job and all of this on top of it? My real job? Yes. Oh, yeah, I was at this point. I was still writing, uh, still do, still writing, uh, and still doing my real job, which is teaching. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was I I can remember nights um, when I worked in Minnesota Valley, which is down near Middletown. I would uh, 
I'd leave on Thursday nights, uh, drive to BAPS or well, Susquehanna then, and they had 410 shows on, on Thursday nights. So I'd drive down. I was about three hours from Middletown, go to BAPS, drive home. You know, I'd leave right after the 410 feature, do a couple interviews, and then leave. Uh, I get home about 1130, you know, 12 o'clock, get up, you know, do my real job on, on Friday at work, at school. Uh, from there, you know, leave, go to Afton, drive home, you know, work Middletown or, or Fonda on Saturdays. And then, uh, whether, you know, if I went to Fonda, I stay at my parents' house. I don't live too far from Fonda. Head out to Utica on Sunday nights and then, uh, drive home from there and work Monday morning. You know, and I, I, you work all week, you know, I worked Monday through Wednesday. I got my planning done, my grading done, everything done. So I could go racing four nights a week. I mean, I think I did 143 races that year. Um, with, with everything going on. Yeah, that, that's my most, about 143. So that was, a awesome year you know a lot of fun and i was young i mean i was 20 24 so staying up late you know sleeping three hours no big deal you know now if i don't sleep six eight hours man man, my life sucks <laughs> yeah i think my i think my best year was uh, a couple years ago i hit i think 118 or 119 i think one of the craziest trips i took on a Wednesday for the Jack 50 at the first year they ran the Jack, the Jack 50 at Fonda. Uh, me and a buddy of mine took a, took the four and a half hour ride all the way up to Fonda. I know that ride well. <laughs> I will say though, Fonda, Fonda definitely is one of my favorite tracks I've been to. Uh, if anybody has not gotten a chance to get to Fonda, it is, it is badass. It's open wide. It's pretty flat. Uh, Turn four is like 90 degrees. These guys have to make an immediate left-hand turn. It's not very sweeping, and uh, it's pretty badass. And if I'm not mistaken, turn three is is basically a dogleg, and they don't don't lift, do they? No, they don't lift till four, which is awesome. And then after... uh, after that, we came home that night and then turned around and went down to a full throttle show at Delaware the next day. And then, of course, went to work diamond on Friday and wherever else on Saturday. But it was a it was a hellacious amount of miles put on on my car. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah my craziest trip like that was I went to uh, I was living in Wordsboro, which is about a half hour south of Accord. Uh, about 20 minutes from Middletown. Near where I was teaching at the time in St. Valley. We, uh, we went to New Egypt after school. You know, after work, drove to New Egypt, which is about two hours from there. But you hit traffic. I'm pretty sure we rolled in right about start time for a Super Dirt Car Series race. We drove home. Uh, this was like a, a Wednesday. And then Thursday, uh, we left after school again and drove four hours uh, to go to Hagerstown. And went to the Super Dirt Car Series race at Hagerstown. Drove home. And again, the whole time not taking a day off from work. So it was, uh, oh my God, it was... That Friday, it, it was tough, uh, you know. But again, when you're young, you can be an idiot, and <laughs> it's, it's okay because you can sleep the three hours, and you're gonna feel like crap. But uh, you know, and then we did those two shows, and and then <laughs> here's your weekend. You know, the one good thing about the weekend is you can sleep in a little bit. Because um, I always tried to do my afternoon stuff, you know, get up early eight nine o'clock, but then I was like, all right, now it's time before I gotta go find a, uh, you know, so uh, buddies of mine. Merc, our flagger up at Diamond, the one year I remember him and another buddy of ours, right after they dropped the checker to the last feature on a Friday night, they got in the car and drove out to Kokomo for SmackDown. Like it, it's wild to think how a lot of us race fans go out there and and drive all over hell and back. Yeah, I've done that. I mean, we we used to leave. Um, 
when, for the national nationals, I would work Utica-Rome on that Sunday. Then when Utica was done, me and my buddies would meet at my house here in Burton, and then we'd leave right from Utica, basically, and head to head to Knoxville and, you know, drive all the way out and, and do the trip and get there for Monday so we could go to the front row challenge. And that feels like 15, 16 hours from here. So it is, uh, that, yeah, that ride sucks uh, when you're tired. But, you, you know, you have the regular the guys. I would always say, all right, I'm going to drive. I'll drive until, you know, it's it's sun up and then I'm out. So don't ask me. Don't ask any questions. I'm going to sleep. Wake me up in the afternoon when you need me. <laughs> so that, that was probably, that's probably the crazier things that we do. I mean, I've done crazier, but that, that's probably upside the list. So let's transition into the the TV aspect of what Dirt Track Digest has been able to do for the past few years. So, um, you know, how's that process all all go about? I mean, how do you get involved with tracks, or are they contacting you? Are you contacting them? Yeah, it's, it's a process. Um, you, you you know, we meet with promoters and we have conversations with promoters, and you know, we do some stuff with them and try to, you know, explain to them what we do, who we are and, and why what we do works versus you know, other models per se. Um, so it, it's a process, you know, you, you gotta, you know, uh, you know, the modified tracks know who we are. Um, you know, like, you know, we had, a, we were lucky to have a good conversation with Jake last off season and uh, a big diamond, you know, for example, we had a lot of good conversations and Jake said, well, let's give it a shot for, for, for eight races. Originally that was the deal. And then, you know, the pandemic hits and, he came back and said, you know, we, we did it for a couple of weeks, the first couple of weeks. And he's like, well, you know, we kind of got together. And what do you think about doing it every race? I'm like, you know, let's try it out see what happens. And, you know, we've had a conversation with Jake and it looks like we're good for, for, for 2021. So that, that's awesome. Excited to be back at Big Diamond. And you know, it just kind of, it just kind of happens. You know, you kind of have those conversations and say, this is what we're willing to do. This is what we bring. Um, you know, so are you marketing for each track or? We market for them. Um, you know, we ask the tracks to help us. We, we pride ourselves on being a partner. Uh, you know, we do a lot of advertising, obviously, for the track because the, the way we, you know, everybody gives us a little bit of grief for our, our, our model of, you know, pay per race. You know, everybody wants a subscription or that. And I know that's popular and I know that that works because it's, it's cheaper. I understand that. And, and I get it. And, you know, but for us, um, our goal is to get people to go to the Yeah, you make track. a good point when it comes to your your pricing. And, I mean, you, you're basically charging the same price to get in the gate. But I think with the differences with the, you know, the yearly subscriptions or the monthly subscriptions that are out there, you're talking about, you know, different platforms that offer national touring series that you're not talking about the same racetrack every week. Or you're not talking about a specific area of the country, you know. Okay, Sunshine Swing, you offer a fee, you know, a flat rate for the whole the whole four days or the same thing with Louisiana, same thing. But I think when you look at something like, you know, Flow or Dirt Vision, where they have the outlaws or they have USAC and they're in a different state the next day or the next week, it's a little different where what you guys are doing is it's all what I would consider to be drivable tracks where you can drive from your home to that track and uh, you know me personally if i can pay that price through you guys or i can go to the track i want to go to the right. track and again and me too i mean i'm not one that you know I, I can probably count on one hand the amount of times that i've stayed home and watched a pay-per-view rather than go to the races you know and, and again and that's our model and, and we want to protect the tracks too we don't want to give it away so it makes it easier for you not to go 
you know, because again, we know in this day and age, if, if people will, right? And, and that's not what we want. We, we don't want you to get accustomed to staying home. We want you to go. Like our, our model depends on you going to the track because our first thing we tell every track is, I want to help you put fans in your grandstands. I don't want to make it easier for them to stay home. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's our argument. And I know, again, there are races that it's tough. I mean, it's not, it's not a cheap thing, you know, but we're looking at what the gate price is for the racetrack and charging around that price again, because we want you to go first. We don't want to make it. So you stay home, you know, that, that, I mean, on New York this year was different because of, you know, look, there's no fans in the stands. So, you know, that, that was obviously different, but you know, we, we have to, you know, grow the sport. And I want to see the sport grow, but we're wrong. I mean, that, that's our first goal. But I want to see a packed grandstands at your racetrack. And then the second option is, well, you know, tonight I can't go, so I'm going to buy the broadcast. You know, we don't want the broadcast to be your first option. We want you to be in the grandstands. Because if that racetrack's not, if that track's not successful, we're not successful. And to me, and to me that doesn't matter then. Then we're not doing our job if we're not encouraging you to go to the track. No, I get it. It's hard. Again, and we know. And, and again, we take a lot of grief for our pricing model. But at the end of the day, if you can go, you're going to go. And that's what we want. So how was it this past year with having telecasts, you know, or, or live pay-per-views from tracks up in New York like Outlaw or Can-Am where there was no fans in the stands? Does that take take away from the experience that had a different dynamic yeah, to it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not the same kind of atmosphere. You know, dad gets out of the car and he's going to cheer and there's nobody there cheering for him, you know? It's, so it's, it's weird. Uh, but... You know, we, we were lucky, you know, to, to kind of train our, you know, our announcers that we worked with were awesome. And we, you know, we explained to them, like, look, we're going to bring a monitor for you. You're going to get to see what's going, what we're broadcasting. And, you know, kind of, if you can follow the action on the TV, rather than looking at the track, you know, that's going to really help the broadcast, help people at home. So that was a big change. You know, normally we let the announcer kind of, they do their thing, don't get me wrong, and we, we kind of stick with the battles that they're going with, but other times... You know, they might miss something or see something or, you know, or the announcers kind of bringing our attention to something that's going on. I know when, when I do the pay-per-view stuff, when, when I'm announcing, you know, again, we always have a monitor for the, for the announcers. But if I see you know, the broadcast go a certain way and they're looking at this battle, I'm going to go to that battle because I'm not seeing it. I didn't see it. So I know up at Diamond last year, a couple of times there were, there was a monitor in there for, for Dino to look at and go off of, um, for the feed and everything, but there were times where there wasn't. Um, is is Rusty kind of hooked in to what Dino's saying and kind of following along that way? Rusty's listening to him, and he, he's trying to tap into what he's talking about. Yep. So like some of these other platforms that offer, you know, like a vault, you can go back and, and re-watch things after the fact. Does Dirt Track Digest uh, offer something like that? You know, we have a video on demand option that's that's nineteen ninety nine, and you can go back and watch every race that we've done. You know, every every race that's in our bank, you can go back and watch it. Um, you know, there is a three day waiting period, so you're not going to get it the next day. You know, that's not going to happen. Um, so if you want to watch it, but what's cool about that is you don't just get the race, the one race you're paying for. You get uh, everything that we've done. So you know, if you have the VOD, you can go back and watch our, you know, our, our races from Louisiana. I know last, last week I was kind of bored. So I was going back and watching Chatham over again. And, and I watched some other races that I wasn't at, that I had no recollection of who won. So I, I, you know, I was on there watching some old races. Uh, you know, so that's how we kind of, you know, we don't do, we don't do personally do the DVD thing. Um, you know, we just do the VOD and, you know, the way we look at it is for 20 bucks, you know, you can get every night's, you know, everything we did and not just get, 
for a DVD that has one night worth of racing on it. So, does Dirt Track Digest offer an app, uh, you know, through Android or Apple or or whatnot? Um, I know normally when I gotta watch, you know, a, a Dirt Track Digest show, I gotta plug it in through my through my iPad or my iPhone directly into my TV and and kind of stream it that way. Yeah, we have a Roku, uh, we have a Roku app, and uh, we also have an Amazon Fire TV app that you can use, and then you can Chromecast and you know do all those different things that you want to do. It all works. Oh, through Roku, that's good to know. Or even the Fire Stick. I have a Fire Stick up in my upstairs. That's good to know. Yep. Well, there you go. Download it. Let's go. You know, if you watch a pre-race show, you'd know that. <laughs> what pre-race show? <laughs> if, you, if you didn't see the Florida stuff, uh, Chris Moore and Mimi uh, took the banner. That was one of the things disappointing that I couldn't be there because, God, I love doing the pre-race show. I always have fun with that. You know, I like working with Mimi. We have fun. Uh, and we're both fun of, and we're both fun of people, so that makes it you know makes it more fun. But uh, those guys did good; they, they did great. You know, uh, just let people know what's going on. You know, of course, you're playing some interviews, you're playing the highlights from the night before, and and letting everybody know what's going on at the racetrack. So th- those are fun. No, all kidding aside, I know what pre-race show you're talking about. Uh, Dirt Track Digest always usually goes live on Facebook to give a little sneak sneak preview of hot laps. I see a lot of people complaining on on social media about why hot laps isn't covered in their their pay-per-view purchase and i, I completely understand why yeah that's always our thing like we don't like, look we can go live at six o'clock you know but then there's an hour and hot laps are done in 20 minutes so then what do you do for 40 minutes you know i can put the i can put the speed shot up and let, let you watch and pack the track for 40 minutes but you know I'm, i you know you're not gonna have a, you know i mean if i had to tell all the announcers that we work with like hey guys you gotta fill 40 minutes they're gonna shoot me <laughs> yeah, exactly. Forty minutes to watch in the water truck. I mean, in most cases, if anyone's been to the races, they know one thing: what happens after hot laps, and there's dead time, and the water trucks are on the track. Everybody gets up and leaves their seat. Go to the bathroom, getting food. Yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah, right. So that that's kind of our thing, and. It's just the way we do it. We just we go green with the first rate, first green flag. Sometimes when we do a live looking on a Facebook page, uh, you can go see that, you know, and see what's happening. I mean, for for the price you pay, which is basically the price of admission, you know, I, I think it's well worth the the price to pay for the pay per view, especially if you can't get to the track like it was, you know, for me down in Florida or. or Louisiana last year. I mean, it's it's all worth it. I mean, you guys are only been around doing the television thing now for a few years, I believe, and it, it's ever growing. It's ever changing. It's only going to get better. You guys are making improvements. You know, as we saw during the Sunshine Swing, you know that that split camera thing. I mean, it, it's. I think it's well worth the price. Yeah, yeah. There's always you know always changing stuff, adding stuff, and. Using new technologies, I mean, I think I've learned five different technologies since I started doing this back in June, you know, so it's like, holy crap, you know, this year we've added something called the Stream Deck and, and all this weird, weird buttons on it and everything, I was, you know, listening to the guys tell me about it, I'm like, I don't even know what the heck you're talking about, all right, I gotta see this thing and use it, and if you think it's easier, okay, I'll go with you, <laughs> you know, so... So uh, what's uh, what's up next for Dirt Track Digest and uh, at least on the TV side of things, uh, what's next on your schedule? 
you know, TV, obviously, we, we uh, get going again in March. Uh, you know, we're back with Brett Dale at the Georgetown Speedway, and and then hopefully that kicks off a great racing season, man. You, you know, in New York, I have no freaking idea what's going to happen. I don't know if there's going to be fans, no fans, or what. Um, but, you know, we, we got a great broad base of tracks that we're going to be at, and, you know, we've got some new ones coming on board uh, that, you know, we'll, we'll announce when we're ready, and, uh, you know, we've got some other things in the works, hopefully, and we'll see what, uh, you know, when the chips fall, you know, and, Whatever happens, happens. But uh, you know, we're constantly trying to change things. Constantly try to do you know do things better and and make our product better. And you know, people asked you know a few years ago, can we get scoring? We got you scoring. You know, can we get laps? We got a lap counter. You know, we've we've you know, we, we listen and, and we try and and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, and that's kind of where we are. You know, we look forward to 2021. I mean, I don't think it can be as bad as it was in, in 2020 for, for some tracks here in New York, you know, with no fans and just not opening. So hopefully, um, you know, we get back to normal sooner rather than later up here in New York and race fans can go back to the races because that's what I want to see everybody. I miss seeing everybody at the racetrack. You know, it's weird and eerie uh, when you do a broadcast and, you, and you're walking up at the beginning of the night and there's nobody there. You're walking around during the night and there's nobody there. And it's just, you know, everybody in the pits, it's just... <laughs> You know, for me, that's that sucks. You know, I was lucky enough to get down to PA and see fans in the stands and stuff. And I got to tell you, it was awesome to see the amount of fans at racetracks this year in Pennsylvania. You know, that was that yeah, was great. Man, especially for New York. I don't know how much longer all those tracks can survive with no fans and still trying to race every week. I mean, it's awful. I I wish all those New York tracks the best of luck and I hope we get back to some kind of norm with with fans back in the stands up there. It's I mean, we were thankful Diamond last year. We had the best attendance I think the tracks ever seen. Opening night was absolutely crazy and then the coal cracker I think was even better. I mean, it it was people were just everywhere. Yeah, that was fun. I was there for that. And, you know, thanks to Dino for letting me work with him. I had a great time. You know, Dino's a good guy and I had fun working with him. And, and that was, uh, that was cool. You know, again, and thank, you know, nobody got sick or anything like that. So that was, you know, good. And, and, uh, again, I hope 2021 is just as good for everybody down there. And I hope 2021 is way better up here <laughs> for all of us and everybody can get back to the track and, and see their friends and, you know, the people that like to have a couple cold ones before the races in the parking lot get their opportunity to do that So again. will I get the, uh, the chance to be uh, in your presence this upcoming season at Diamond at all? I'm not sure yet. You know, I, I haven't put my schedule together as of yet. So, um, you know, still working out, uh, working on that one. So we'll see. Will you just make sure that you let me know when you do plan on coming down so I can <coughs> call in sick those days? <laughs> no problem. No problem. <laughs> well, Mr. Mallet, I do appreciate you uh, coming on the Four Wide Salute podcast. I wish you and Dirt Track Digest the best of luck in 2021. And I'm sure I will catch up with you sooner than later, my friend. Yeah, sure. No problem, man. Great chatting with you. and It's been fun. And hopefully I didn't make too many people mad. Thank you, sir.